You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of The Sexy Escort Guide podcast. This is episode 88, and I am your sensual host, Vivian. It is summertime in Miami, so you know it's super hot as Hades. But you know what else is super hot? I think I just cracked the code to get on the first page of Google when you're searched in your area. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, wow, I think I got past the, you know, the puritanical police. And I definitely want to share it, but only inside Patreon because I don't want people blowing up our spot. So if you want to know what I did to get on the first page of Google in my area based on the specific search, send me a message on Patreon, patreon.com slash T-S-E-G-P. It's only a dollar a month to join and you're going to be supporting the show anyway. And I will let you know exactly what I did. Okay, on to the show. I am super excited about today's guest. Hailing all the way from the land down under. We're going to be chatting with Mr. Jackson Milan, a.k.a. The Wealth Mentor. And he's going to be giving us some very useful tips on growing our money, even when we're not working. And I know that's literally what we want, passive income. Nobody wants to be working all the time. You know, obviously, we love what we do. And even if we don't, it's a job. And sometimes you just want to relax. But for some of us, When we relax and we're not working, that means we're not making money. So Mr. Milan is going to be giving us some very useful tips on how we can take the money we make and multiply it even more. Jackson has been featured on The Today Show, ABC Radio, Money Magazine, and many other media outlets. The best part about Jackson, though, is that he is escort friendly. He initially had escorts reach out to him about getting help with their finances. And they asked him, oh, do you work with escorts? And he thought that was weird. And when he did some further research, he realized that we are a severely underserved market. And he noticed the systemic issues we face when it comes to wealth and finance. Like the whole industry hating on us. Everybody hating on us. (laughs) But he decided that he would go against the mainstream and support our industry because it's just the right thing to do. And for that, I thank him. Let's welcome him to the show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episodes 7, 36, and 58. Companion Tax really knows their stuff, and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011 and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. Hello, Jackson. Welcome to the show. G'day, Vivian. Thanks for having me. You have a very cool accent. Could say the same about you. I um, 
us Australians say, we don't have an accent. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That is too cute. I love it. So let's go ahead and jump right into the show. This is so awesome that you're doing this. Thank you, by the way. Please tell our listeners a little bit about your background and why you should be viewed as a credible source when it comes to helping us hoes build wealth. Sure thing. So my name is Jackson Milan. I'm also known as the Wealth Mentor. Been involved in the wealth and business strategy space for over 14 years now. I really got into this space because I wanted to help business owners uh, of all kinds. Uh, My mum was a hairdresser. She tried really hard to scale a successful salon and she really struggled every step of the way. Now, my old man was a bit of a dreamer and he, uh, he tried his hand at every single business that you could possibly imagine, but never really stuck to anything long enough to see success. One of the common themes that I saw as a kid is that my parents taught me and they tried their best to teach me good values. And they said, Jackson, if you want to be successful in this world, you've got to work hard. This is coming from people that I saw working 16 hour days for as long as I could possibly remember. What I very quickly realized is that there was a disconnect between the effort that they were putting into their businesses and the rewards that they were getting financially. And essentially, they were working for money as opposed to money working for them. I went down a path to start learning about money and finance and helping people like my parents understand the language of money, because it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether you're in a traditional business or a non-traditional business, whatever you're doing to trade time for money, it is not the money that we make that matters. It's the money that we keep that counts. So I've really dedicated the better part of the last decade to help my clients of all shapes and sizes of all industries amass huge levels of wealth. And we've helped over a thousand clients build $1.5 billion in combined wealth over the last 14 years. So you basically got into the financial education world because you saw your parents struggle and you didn't want other people to struggle as well? Or did you just kind of fall into it? Well, I started going down the route of learning to be a financial advisor. I was really shocked, to be honest with you, because our, our industry is fundamentally broken, the finance industry. Because most people think that they do the responsible thing, they go and find a fiduciary or a financial advisor. But what that financial advisor does is they just say, hey, Vivian, give me your money. I'm going to go invest it in some stocks and mutual funds for you. And I'm going to send you a pretty report a couple of times a year and just let you know how it's going. And the issue with this is that you're taking a blind leap of faith into somebody that is some cases actually remunerated by the product provider that they're recommending. And the other thing is now that you're reliant on that person to get you the financial result that you're chasing. So if that person doesn't do the right thing or goes away for whatever reason, they retire or they move on to another industry or whatever, then you don't have the tools and the skills. And I thought that that was a fundamental flaw in our industry. So what I did is I flipped it on its head and I said, okay, well, what would I need to do to teach people to actually understand the language of money for themselves? Realize that it's actually not that hard when you boil it down and that you can create really simple frameworks and systems that can support you to understand how you make profit in your business, understand how do you hold on to that profit and live a really good lifestyle, but then also make sure that you've got surplus so you can actually commit that to building wealth and buying good quality assets that produce passive income. So that gives you freedom of choice. As a result, I've had a number of people in the industry reach out to me because let's face it, like people in the industry can make some really good money. But what I've seen is that it can be very much easy come, easy go. And and this is not just exclusive to the sex work industry. This happens in a lot of high income industries. People just go, ah, I'm making good money. I'm going to deal with that adult stuff next year. I'm just going to keep living the life. Or you think that you're going to be really consistent. You've started to get a good run of a few months of consistent bookings and you're in high demand and your time is scarce and you go, wow, this is a good thing. This is going to keep up. I think I finally made it. And then all of a sudden you get hit for a six and then you've got a one month, three months, six months where you've got inconsistent bookings and your cash flow is a a fraction of what it used to be. 
And it's these things that contribute to many people, particularly in this industry, not amassing a level of wealth that gives them the financial freedom they really were looking for. The industry can give you a lot of freedom, but unless you've got the finances to support that freedom, then it's very, very tough to sustain for a long time. Not to mention industry fatigue, because, you know, nobody wants to work all the time every day. There's sometimes that you're going to be like, oh, I don't feel like working. You have to work to make money, you know, and nobody really teaches a lot of us anything about financial education, nothing. We're just going in blindly here. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why I'm here. I hadn't even thought much about the industry, to be honest. I've had a lot of respect. My mum had a friend when I was a kid who was an escort and she was a lovely lady. And your mom let you know about this? My parents were always very open-minded. Good, because most people are not. It's a darn shame because I think you should judge people on their merits. Don't judge the book by its cover. And uh, I really looked up to this lady because she was a lovely lady. And, and at the time, I didn't really contextualize what she did. It was only when I got a bit older that I understood what she was doing. I realized that essentially there's a lot of issues. And where I really understood this is I had a couple of clients who were in the industry reach out to me. And the first thing they asked me, do you actually work with sex workers? That's a valid question because most industries shun us and they don't work with us. Blows my mind. And my immediate thought was, why is she even asking this? And then it occurred to me underrepresented industry. There's a lot of taboos. There's probably a lot of people out there who need this information and education, but can't get it. Here we are. Do you have American clients? Do your strategies work outside of Australia? We definitely do. So we've got clients all around the world. Because what we've got to understand, Vivian, is that the fundamentals of money and finance are universal. They work everywhere. We all deal in ones and zeros, right? It's about understanding how we use money as a tool to get what we want. This is really where our frameworks really help people simplify it. We see so many people end up just having this light bulb moment, go, wow, for the first time ever, I actually get it. And I know how I can use money for my benefit. So hopefully we'll do a bit of a deep dive into that today. Why do you think that so many entrepreneurs like escorts struggle to achieve financial freedom? It comes down to really three things. The first thing is that most people don't have a plan. Most of us are dreamers, right? We have an idea of what we want, or we have a one-dimensional plan, meaning that we're chasing one big goal at a time. So it might be saving a deposit to buy your home, or it might be buying that new car, or it might be going on a holiday to the Bahamas. And what then happens is because we're so focused, like a horse with their blinders on, on this one particular goal, and we've basically forgotten about all of the other factors of life, another goal comes up, and then we need to make a choice based on scarcity because we don't have enough financial means to do everything that we want. So we teach our clients to create what we call a three-dimensional plan, where they map out all of their goals, dreams, and aspirations, both lifestyle and financial. And then we reverse engineer that into an income target in their business that allows them to have their cake and eat it. The second thing, Vivian, is cash. They don't have the cash. They know that they should be buying property. They know they should be saving up extra money so they can set up another business that maybe is a little bit less labor-intensive. I've got a lot of clients that are in the industry looking to get into e-commerce or other kind of one-to-many style businesses. They realize that they're not going to be in this game forever, but they don't have the cash because of the inconsistencies. And then the third part, it comes back to that roller coaster ride. It is one great month followed by one crappy month. And just when they take one step forward, they end up taking two steps backwards. And these are the three biggest problems that plague a lot of service-based entrepreneurs, but particularly escorts. So what would you say is one of the most important things one should do when they begin their journey to building wealth? We built a system that we call the Wealth Mastery Machine. We believe that everything works better when we've got a system to run it. The big issue for most people with their finances is they're doing it knee-jerk. It's emotional, ad hoc. 
when they feel about it or it's when they're in crisis. So what we created is a system, a framework that essentially allows people to have structure around their financial decisions to try and take the emotion out of it so they can make good quality, objective decisions where possible and that they understand the significance of each decision when it comes to achieving their goals. We have a three-step iterative process. The first thing we do, Vivian, is we have to define. We need to get crystal clear on what financial freedom actually means. We need to get real on what these key financial milestones are, what do they look like, and we need to quantify them. If you want to live in a house on the beach in Malibu, then what's that going to cost you? $2 million, $2.5 million? Let's get clear on it. Once we can get clear on that goal, we can actually reverse engineer it into a plan. This is the biggest issue that I see most people have is they actually don't get enough clarity on their goals. The second thing is about how do we create money? What we firstly need to understand is that any business, whether you're an escort or whether you're an accountant or whether you're any other industry, your business is a vehicle to manufacture wealth. So what we need to do is we need to understand all of these goals, dreams, and aspirations. We need to reverse engineer them into an income target. And then we need to work out what is the activity that you actually need to do in your business to allow you to earn that level of income. Let's say for argument's sake, Vivian, that you wanted to make $200,000 a year. If we know we want to make 200000 we can actually break that down and, okay, how many bookings do I need to get? And then, okay, well, then how many inquiries do I need to get? How many conversations do I need to have? So what this allows us to do is to connect your activity to the outcomes that are really important to you in your life. Let's say if I said to you, Vivian, that you needed to get 10 appointments a week in order for you to achieve financial freedom, how much more invested are you going to be in, in making sure you have those 10 appointments? That's why we all need this North Star. This industry is no exclusion to that. And I think even more importantly, it's important to have that North Star because it's tough. Sometimes you just don't want to do it. So it's about understanding what is the minimum amount of work that you need to do to almost presuppose your ability to achieve all your goals. And then further to that, we need to have a mechanism to turn your business profits into personal wealth. My opinion, Vivian, is there's only two predictable ways outside of your business to build wealth in this world. There is property, buying good quality property that's in affluent areas where you've got good quality tenants who are going to pay you month in, month out and cause you as little headaches as possible and investing in the share market. And this is not about stock picking. Even I don't stock pick, Vivian. Like Having built over a billion dollars in wealth for my clients, none of that has been done by stock picking. We do it by investing in really basic, low-cost, diversified investments that are called index funds. So the idea here is that where many people get distracted is they try and get sexy with their finances. Be sexy with the work you do. Don't be sexy with your money. Money should be boring. That's why when we invest in an index fund, it allows us to get the average of however the market does. So for example, the S&P 500 is the top 500 companies in the US. We can go buy an index fund that gives you all of those 500 companies in one fund, and it's at a fraction of a percent. And what that basically means is that you're going to get the average of how those 500 companies perform without having to stock pick and do research or having to trust money managers or fiduciaries who are promising you that they're going to find the right funds. But in actual fact, it's been proven 80% of active fund managers underperform the market after fees and taxes. The good ones don't even work with regular people. You're not going to get those returns. They only work with multimillionaires and billionaires. Those are the ones that actually get good returns if they, you know, use somebody. The people with money usually do it themselves. It is crazy. And the industry is built to make the rich richer. And for mere mortals like us who are just trying to get ahead and have some peace of mind and certainty around our financial future, we need to take this into our own hands. 
We need to learn how to do it for ourselves and we need tried and true strategies, which is why index investing is the best way to go. We really just need the information, honestly. I feel like a lot of us, myself included, you know, we're afraid because we don't know and we feel like it's so complicated. It wasn't until I actually started, you know, diving in, reading and seeing regular people like me every day doing it. And I'm like, okay, this can be done. It's a lack of information, honestly. The big thing that the industry has done wrong is that they've created a lot of taboos that money and finance has to be complex. The system that we teach our clients literally takes them in less than 30 minutes a month to manage. Who doesn't have 30 minutes a month to keep tabs on their finances? So where do you think people get it wrong when it comes to creating wealth? The first thing we've already touched on it is they get too sexy with it. Looking for sexy and sophisticated strategies where there's so many people that are flocking into cryptocurrency. And look, to be honest, Vivian, I've got nothing against cryptocurrency. I think eventually cryptocurrency will become like the other traditional asset classes, but it's just still too young and it's highly speculative. And for that reason, I only suggest that my clients who already have their core blue chip tried and true strategy in place, invest in these types of speculative asset classes with money that they can afford to lose. And the thing that really annoys me is where there's individuals who are investing money that they can't afford to lose, and they can do some really serious damage when they get involved in these kinds of things. There's definitely some stories where people who have made some massive money, but it's literally like going to this casino and chucking it all on red. Anyone's guess at this stage. The other part is that people abdicate responsibility. They don't get a basic level understanding. They outsource their financial decisions to people based on blind faith. And the amount of people that I've seen either get in trouble with the IRS, get fined or get criminally charged and go to jail as a result of just trusting their professional team, it is one of those things that it was just that blind faith. If they would have had a base level understanding, been able to ask the right questions to hold those people accountable, then there would have been a very different outcome. So you have this strategy creating killer cash flow. How to turn your business from a cash-eating monster into a profit-making machine. Can you please tell us a little bit more about that? Because we definitely want to know. First thing that I want you to visualize is Thanksgiving dinner, right? You're sitting around with your family. There's a turkey on the middle of the table. You've got your mum, your auntie, all of your loved ones around. And you decide to grab your knife and your fork and you start carving pieces off the turkey and stuffing it straight into your mouth. What does your family say to you? They're going to think you're a greedy bitch. <laughs> This is the exact same thing that most people do in their business, right? They're eating hand to mouth, hand to mouth. And before they know it, they get to the end of the month and there's nothing to show for it. They haven't separated what we call the serving plate from the eating plate. Much like Thanksgiving dinner, what we would do, good manners would be that we'd carve off our pieces and we'd put it onto our own plate and we'd sit down and enjoy a meal with our family. We should do the same in our business. In your business, you should actually have five bank accounts. First bank account is your income account. Good news is you've probably already got it. This is where you're getting paid into at the moment. If you're running cash business, then I would advocate that when you get that cash, you set a time each and every single week where you go and bank that cash. Next thing, we should have four other accounts, one account for operating expenses, one account for owner's pay, one account for tax, and one account for profit. Now, let me explain what each of those accounts are for. First account, operating expenses. This is for any of your fixed expenses that you have in your business. So if you've got travel expenses or if you've got uh, subscriptions or if you're paying for website listings or whatever those costs are, your marketing, all of these things should come out of your operating. Next is your owner's pay. 
This is about paying you, your number one employee of your business, a consistent and regular income. Because the aim here and the only way that we can overcome the peaks and troughs of this industry is to try and streamline our income by drip feeding it to you. If you make $5,000 one week and you make zero the next, we need to average that out because the aim should be that there should be a war chest in your business that allows you to pay yourself a living wage consistently, even through the peaks and troughs. Next, we've got tax. We want to make sure we put money aside for the tax man. And then lastly, we want to have an account for profit because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what business you're in, you deserve to take two paychecks. You deserve to get paid for an employee of your business for the time and effort that you put in, but you also deserve to get a profit for the risk that you take for running your business. If you don't want to get things into the banking system, you can do this in an envelope strategy. I've got clients who are in developing countries that don't have the kind of banking systems that they trust. So they do use this using envelopes. It's like the old school system that maybe your grandma used back in the day. It's just about having these layers of segmentation and being intentional with how we break down your money. It allows us to hold on to more money than if it was just eating straight from the serving plate and then slipping through our fingers. So this is step number one. And this actually really worked because we've had a couple of other people come and talk about money on the show. And I mentioned it, like even for me, until I actually got intentional about putting money aside, like a certain money aside to go towards my savings and investing, I would just live paycheck to paycheck, like you said, you know. But then when I actually was intentional about it, my savings grew exponentially. And I was like, wow, this actually works. So it does. It really does. We found on average across our client base that this strategy alone increases people's profit of actually money in the bank by about 15 to 20% at a minimum. That compounded over a couple of years, five years, 10 years is just huge amounts of money that otherwise would have just slipped through your fingers. And the phenomena is what we call cash flow creep. The big issue here is that as we start earning more income, often our lifestyle expenses and our business expenses increase proportionately. You go, oh, wow, I've got this great payday. I'm going to go out and buy some new lingerie. I'm going to go buy some new shoes. or I'm going to go and buy this. or I'm going to go and buy that. Before you know it, all the money's gone. And it was famously said in a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, how much of every dollar you earn is yours to keep. And that's the most important part here. Sidebar, do you guys have Thanksgiving in Australia? Uh, No, but I've got a lot of American clients. (laughs) You use a pretty uh, relatable uh, example. (laughs) Exactly. I try try my best. So what would you say are some big no-nos, some don'ts when it comes to wealth building? I think the big thing is don't start investing until you understand your cash flow. So firstly, like what we just explained with the buckets, we need to understand the cash flow in the business. So what are the running expenses? How much do we need to be putting aside to make sure that we can maintain all of our commitments before you take money for yourself? And then secondly, understand what your lifestyle costs. I hate the idea of shrinking yourself wealthy. I think a lot of our parents taught us this idea of that in order for you to achieve financial freedom, you need to sacrifice. I think that's bullshit. It doesn't motivate me, Vivian. The last thing I want to do is sit at home eating cat food for dinner after I've worked so hard. My motto is live for today and plan for tomorrow. This is about us working out what your lifestyle actually costs, working out how much surplus we should have, and then only investing the surplus. Because the big no-no here is I think many people get excited. They listen to a podcast like this or they attend a seminar and then they run out and they go, yes, I need to invest. And they go start setting up index funds and they put all of this money into these investments And then they have this come to Jesus, oh shit moment where they go, oh no, I forgot about that bill. I've got this thing coming up. And then they end up having to pull money back out of these things 
which then creates a new habit where they start tapping into these investments. And we need to create what we call money muscle memory. We need to create rules, habits, and behaviors that serve us around money. And one of those habits needs to be that once we put money into investments, we don't touch it until we've achieved our goal. What about some do's? What are some things we should absolutely do when it comes to wealth building? The first thing that you should do is understand the levers that you pull to grow your business. The first thing that I feel many businesses fall into, and it's no different in this industry, is that they rely too much on the volume lever. So the volume of clients, the volume of appointments. And that's fine. Like Obviously, we need to have clients. And in many cases, we need more clients to achieve our goals. But it is not the only lever that you have available. The second lever, which is one that isn't pulled often enough, and Vivian, I know you're a big advocate for this, is putting up your price. So many people in every single industry, the number one problem they face as a business owner is self-doubt and not feeling like they can charge that premium price they actually deserve to charge. Here's the thing. If we can help you understand what impact a 20% price increase has to your ability to achieve your goals, this creates a catalyst to actually say, okay, yep, I'm going to do it. There has been a very small number of cases where I've had my clients in all industries put up their price and their clients have actually pushed back. In the majority of cases, their conversion rate's gone up because when people pay, they pay attention. And when people pay a lot, they pay a lot of attention. That could lead us down a rabbit hole argument of people saying, oh, well, you know, some people are survival sex workers. They can't afford to charge this, that, and the third. But this show is for people who are intentional about building wealth. If there is any rebuttals, if you are having these limiting beliefs in your head that jump up and say, hey, I can't charge more, I urge you to say, what if the opposite was true? What could you do to position yourself in a way that would allow you to increase your price by $5, $10, $50, and just continue to make those gradual changes and just test it? So I think it's something that we just need to test it because the biggest limiting factor in your life and your business is always you. I urge you to approach this with an open mind and try your best to back yourself. I actually like that little increment. So if you're charging 300 an hour, maybe go to 310 an hour and then slowly up it. And I don't think clients will be as like, you know, oh my God, extra $10. I like that idea. Exactly right. And then the next thing that I believe that you do is you need to create what we call an investment operating system. People are very knee-jerk when it comes to investing. They go, ah, they listen to something like this and it becomes a trigger. Like, oh yeah, I need to go and put more money into my portfolio. I need to go set up my 401k or I, I need to go set up an IRA or I need to set up this or that. It is not one financial decision that's going to get you to financial freedom. It is consistent and regular decisions that will have you achieve financial freedom. So this is why we need an investment operating system. We need a system that we can follow month in and month out that will allow us to allocate surplus and make sure that money is working for us. So I talk about this in my book. I'll give your listeners a copy of it, of how do they actually set up the right systems and frameworks that will ensure that they can have a repeatable process where the default action is actually action. If you've got a certain profit target, what does your volume and your price need to be for you to actually achieve your goal? So we'll share some great resources with your listeners to help them with those do's. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yay. So speaking of portfolio, when it comes to investing, as I mentioned, people can get overwhelmed. What should people consider, especially escorts, when they're building their portfolio? Let's start simple. The great thing is that as we progress, and it's much more accessible today than it was at any other period of time, is that technology is really disrupting the financial services space for good reason. There are some really great micro-investing 
apps out there based in the US. There's Acorns, there's Betterment, there's even Robinhood. And what you've got the ability to do is to set up these accounts. In many cases, you can set up an automatic direct debit from your bank account, and you can set up a recurring transaction that goes into a low-cost diversified index fund each and every single week, fortnight, month. I advocate one of those three frequencies because once again, this is about creating that operating system that rinses and repeats without you having to worry about it. And it's just a really easy way to get started. The first thing that you need to do is you just need to do some research, go into Google and type in diversified index funds, do some research, find some accounts, do a little bit of due diligence to understand the fees, the historical performance, and probably more importantly, the risk profile that is suitable to you as an individual. And then just get started. You can get started with most of these accounts with as little as $50. Let me give you an example, Vivian, which might blow some people's minds because I think most people don't talk about this. So people don't have a lot of understanding. I had a client who was running a $100 million business. He was earning multi-million dollars a year and in typical style of a high flyer, was blowing it all on cars and flying first class and renting mansions and all of that stuff, right? I said to him, I go, let's get started with investing. We're going to start with $1,000 and $200 a month, which in, for us mere mortals is equivalent to probably a, a dollar a month, right? He said, Jackson, this is not going to have any impact for me. This is not going to get me any closer to financial freedom. And I go, you're right. What this is going to do is this is going to get the momentum. It's going to get us started because the hardest step that you will always take is the first one. But once we've got that momentum, it's going to build on itself. What happened is that it went 200 a month. The next month, you put it up to 500. And the month after, it went to 1,000 and then to 5,000 and then to 10,000 a month. He got excited about it because he was no longer so anxious about getting started. We'd broken the ice. And that's the most important part. I'm going to throw out one fund that I'm actually in. This is not investment advice. This is a Vanguard fund, VOO. Look it up, ladies. Vanguard's fantastic. I personally invest with Vanguard as well. They're a phenomenal fund manager, really low fees, really easy to set up, pretty much all self-serve. So I highly advocate it. So what is the name of your book? So my first book is called Enjoy the Journey, Creating Wealth and Living the Life You Desire. Wrote it quite a few years ago and became an international bestseller in eight countries across 15 categories. My second book is The Secrets to Scaling a Seven-Figure Lifestyle Business, where I basically talk about a strategy that I've used to scale a multi-seven-figure business with a team of 27 and about 700 clients around the world. It's the same strategies that have actually enabled me to spend a year traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive with my girlfriend, Anna, and our two dogs, Dobby the Boxer and Otis the Pug. So we're actually three months into our year traveling around Australia, really just showing people how to create financial freedom today. Many of us have this misconception that financial freedom is only for people when they're old and crusty, right? I'm 32 and I've been able to manufacture financial freedom and be able to live life on my own terms already. So I think if anybody's got this opportunity, it's escorts because they're making really good money. And if they can implement these strategies that I talk about on this podcast, in my book, in our programs, they can start creating financial freedom for themselves too. And your books are on Amazon? So we've got a free Facebook group. I'll give you a link to chuck in the show notes where you get access to all of my books, calculators that'll help you project your wealth and your profits, some other cool tools, basically help you take the fear out of your finances and get the ball rolling. Yay. Thank you so much. So which asset class do you believe is the best vehicle for building wealth? There's really the trinity here. The first one's your business. There is absolutely no other asset class that can produce you the same level of returns with the same peace of mind and certainty than your business can. So your first thing you need to do is you need to turn your business into that cash creation machine. And then the other two is good quality property and shares. Many people ask, well, Jackson, what's a good quality property? 
Vivian, there's five key fundamentals that lead to a good property. One, we need to buy in an area where there is net migration, meaning that there's more people moving to an area than are moving away. Reason for that is that creates demand. The second thing is we need to have diverse ranges of employment. If we're investing in an area that's, say, reliant on resources or tourism, if that industry is impacted, which we've seen through COVID, the property markets are going to be impacted in that area. The third thing is infrastructure spending. We need to see private and public dollars going into an area to make it more livable. They're improving the roads. They're building trains and airports and shopping centers and cafes and things that keep people in a location that make it a livable city. We need to understand the future supply. So if you're buying in an area, let's say like downtown, the burbs that is already built out, got to realize that for a developer to build more property, they've got to knock something down. However, if you're on the fringes of a city where there's an abundance of what we call greenfill, it means that there can be an abundance of property built, which can then take the supply and demand considerations out of whack. And then the last factor we need to consider is affordability. Now, this is not affordability for you. This is affordability for the people that live in the area that you are buying. Can they actually afford to push property prices up? And it's these five key fundamentals that result in getting a property that has really good income and also good opportunities for capital growth. So business, real estate, stock market. And I've heard this mentioned several times by the financial greats. So what are your thoughts on debt? I think debt is a tool and it depends on how we use it like anything. Debt can make a good situation great, but it can also make a bad situation considerably worse. And what we need to understand, Vivian, is the difference between good debt versus bad debt. So let's say for argument's sake, we saved $100,000 and then we use that $100,000, go get a loan for $800,000 and we went and bought a million dollar property and that property went up by 5%. That is now a 50% return on your cash. Where else are we going to get a 50% return? Probably few and far between. We probably aim for about an 8% to 10% return in the stock market. The difference here is the leverage. It's magnifying the outcome. The dangerous side of this is that obviously you've got to have the cash flow to support your repayment. Hopefully your property is producing enough income so it's cash flow positive, which is the ideal scenario. But if it's not, then you need to make sure that you've got the cash flow to support any shortfalls that there are. Well, which is why they have to go back to the five things when you're looking for property to make sure you have a property that has a tenant in it at all times. What we need to do is if you've got bad debt, so bad debt is anything that we haven't used for investment. So it is credit cards, it's personal loans, all of these things. What we need to do is we need to understand the opportunity cost of paying off our bad debt. So we can do a really simple calculation. What we need to do is if we've got a debt, we need to consider it as if it was an investment return. So let's say for argument's sake, you've got a credit card that you're paying 20%. We then need to say, okay, well, for every dollar I pay off that credit card, I don't pay 20% interest on it. So that's equivalent to a 20% return, right? Then you'd ask yourself, well, where else can I invest for a risk-free 20% return? For most people, you can't get that risk-free. There's always going to be risk. You're going to get a 20% return. So if you've got bad debt, you should be focusing on trying to tackle that bad debt as quickly as you possibly can. Because not only is it going to be a great return because it's money that you're not going to pay interest on, but it's also going to free up cash flow that we can use to fuel your investment strategy once it's gone. Sidebar, touring Australia actually paid off a lot of my debt a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yes, they love the whole American thing. So it worked out for me. I'm sure the, the Aussies ate it up. 
Can you just give us some like a quick peek into it? How does one exactly scale a seven figure lifestyle business? The first thing is the whole seven figure thing or having this kind of North Star business income goal sometimes can be a bit of a fagazi, right? You need to understand where does your business need to get to that will allow you to achieve all of your goals, dreams, and aspirations. And for some people, it's not a seven-figure business because a seven-figure business can come with a lot of headaches and a lot of heartaches and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and can potentially come with compromising your lifestyle. For me, my seven-figure business was all about purpose. I've already achieved financial freedom. I have the freedom of flexibility to live life on my own terms. And the reason why I'm creating a business that is of this size is so I can create a catalyst for change. The financial outcomes that I have from my business are actually just a lag indicator of me pursuing my purpose. And I think that's the most important thing. I've had a business in the past, Vivian, that I created out of necessity, where it was blindly pursuit of money. I was in my early 20s. And my father was diagnosed with stomach cancer. He was the primary breadwinner of the household, and he had a stay-at-home wife and a school-aged daughter at the time, and his income come to a grinding halt. And in my early 20s, I was kind of forced into adulthood, because let's face it, in your early 20s, we're not adults, we're uh, just big kids. And I was now burdened with the responsibility of paying the mortgage and putting food on the table. And my brilliant idea at the time was actually to start a fashion business, a men's fashion business. I'd never designed clothing in my life. I'd never dealt with supply chain. I'd never built an e-commerce website. I'd never done online marketing. I'd just thrown myself into a business venture that I thought was the best way for me to put food on the table. We had some success. It was an absolute grind every single day because I was just chasing the dollars. And I found that if you're just chasing dollars in your business, if it's just a means to an end, you need to treat it as such. And you need to use it as a tool that gets you to your next stage of life where you can really pursue your passion. So, hey, you might be listening to this right now and the industry might be something that you're passionate about, or it might be just a way for you to escape your situation, to use it as a stepping stone, a way to supercharge your path to your next stage of life. Whatever that is, that's perfectly fine, but just recognize that and then use your business as the appropriate tool to get the level of scale you need to live life on your own terms. This is what being a business owner is all about. And this whole mindset, a seven-figure lifestyle business, is about actually running our business as if we were a rich lister. The only thing that separates you as a business owner from all of those people that are on rich lists around the world, besides the fact that they're probably rich white guys, is that they understand how to use their business to manufacture immense levels of wealth, where all of us here are just trying to struggle to keep our head above water. And when we can change that mindset, treat our business like a vehicle, get in the driver's seat of that vehicle and we can control where it takes us, that is what it takes to create a seven-figure lifestyle. That's good because a lot of people, yes, you do need passion in everything you do if you're going to keep it for the long term. But a lot of people kind of feel like it's a either black or white thing. Either you love your job or you hate your job. The news tends to think we all hate our jobs and, you know, someone's forcing us to do it. But I like that. You know, if you see it as just a job, then Keep your eyes on the prize and use the job to do all the other things that you want to do. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's get to the fun part. What part of Australia are you from? I'm originally from a place called Wollongong, which is uh, the South Coast. So it's about an hour from Sydney. But I've spent the last kind of five or so years living on the northern beaches in a place near Manly, about 30 minutes north of Sydney CBD. That was actually the first city I toured when I entered Australia, because obviously Sydney is like the popular one. I really did have an amazing time in Australia. I was there for two months. I love it because you guys actually 
don't criminalize sex work. No. And look, I think that's one of the best things about Australia is that there is equal opportunity. It, it absolutely blows my mind uh, how this industry is criminalized in many parts of the world and people just have to live in fear to try and run their business. And obviously the opportunities they have to achieve their goals are, are limited, which um, is just really tough. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like you have to be a shapeshifter over here. <laughs> so what would you say, in your opinion, is the best city in Australia to visit? We've now been on the road for three months. We've done about 10,000 kilometres on our travels and we're currently in far north Queensland. And uh, I really love it up here. It's, uh, it's a gorgeous part of the world. It's very tropical. One of the misconceptions is that everyone thinks everything in Australia is trying to kill you. And um, all of the animals, there's crocodiles up here, there's snakes, there's uh, <laughs> dinosaur birds called cassowaries that are like 70 kilos and look like a modern day velociraptor, but it's just such a beautiful part of the world. So I highly advocate anybody who comes to Australia, come to far north Queensland, come see the Great Barrier Reef, come see the animals that are trying to kill you from a distance. <laughs> Adding that to the list. Actually, the animal that I was the most scared of were the male kangaroos. Those things are like beastly, like they're swole, like they've been working out in the gym. There's some big dudes. Yeah, you got to be careful. You get to feed them. And I was scared the whole time. And my client, bless his heart, he's an Aussie guy. He like fed them for me because I was like, ah, I don't know about this. What are some things you feel that every tourist must see and do when they visit Australia besides the Great Barrier Reef and animals? Great thing about Australia is it's so multicultural, so there's, there's something for everyone. But I think it's really the natural sights. I think probably one of the things looking back that I regret most, and, and many Aussies probably feel the same, is that we kind of take for granted what we have here. And most of us, when given the opportunity, just flock overseas. We go to the States, we go to Asia, wherever, and we don't actually experience all of the great stuff that Australia has to offer. And I think if, if COVID's done anything for us, it's given us a good excuse to explore our own backyard. Some of the natural sites are amazing. So there's a, a national park that has one of the oldest forests in the history of the world in far north Queensland, which is absolutely amazing seeing the Great Barrier Reef, see the outback and go to places like Uluru, the big rock in the, uh, the center of our country. All of these things are absolutely amazing. One of the things we're actually doing and we're leaving this afternoon, Vivian, is we're actually going up to what we call Cape York, which is the highest point of the north of Australia. We're uh, going to be going on one of the most notorious four-wheel drive tracks in the world, trying to uh, get there in our four-wheel drive. So it's going to be a, a little bit of an adventure. I'm looking forward to getting off-road and seeing some of the things that are off the beaten track. Us in America, we don't appreciate what we have here. We're trying to leave and go somewhere else. So, And uh, you're 32. What do you mean when I look back on my life and my regret? Like, what? <laughs> I'm 32 going on 80, Vivian. So, uh... <laughs> I'm like, what is he talking about? He can actually just do those things. Like, what? <laughs> okay. And lastly, please leave our listeners with some parting advice. The most important thing to realize is that a good idea in theory remains exactly that, just a good idea unless you take action. There are probably things that are running through your head right now that you might have missed the boat and you're falling behind the eight ball and you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Just realize that you're running your own race and it's the action that you take now that is going to dictate the course of your future. It's famously said by Confucius, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time is today. Um, so start planting those seeds let them grow into financial freedom, and then reap the rewards of your hard work. Thank you so much. So where is the best place our listeners can find out more about you, your services? You know, if you're taking clients, I don't know, plug all your stuff. Please, yeah. So the best way, I, I produce content every single day on Facebook. So feel free to search for me and add me as a friend. Just search for Jackson Milan. 
I produce Instagram stories and Facebook stories every single day that just really break down what people see as complex financial uh, ideas and making them simple and easy to digest. Join our free Facebook group. We'll include links in the show notes. And look, if you are looking for somebody who can be a coach, a mentor to help you understand how do you maximize a profit in your business, how to systematically turn that business profit into personal wealth, we work with business owners the world around. So feel free to reach out to us on social media or via my website, which is wealth-mentor.com.au. And let's have a conversation and see how we can help you. Thank you so much, Jackson, for coming on. I'm sure I'll probably be reaching out again for you to come back if you will allow it. (laughs) Anytime. And I hope you and your girlfriend enjoy your next adventure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Awesome. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at TSEG Podcast and on Instagram at TSEGP. Join our Patreon page for exclusive videos on dating, sugaring, and freestyling tips for both the gentlemen and ladies. Patreon.com forward slash TSEGP. Follow your host Vivian on Twitter and Instagram at Exotic Vivian. Please leave the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, keep it sexy and stay receptive.